Blog Talk Radio.
Gary, Indiana, for the second annual Black Wall Street USA National Convention, October 21st through October 23rd, at the Genesis Convention Center in downtown Gary, Indiana. Join us in our efforts to make Black Wall Street districts in the U.S. vital, clean, safe, and attractive business districts for employers, the community, and visitors. Listen to Black Wall Street USA Radio each Thursday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on our national website. Our theme this year is Make Me a World. To register, visit www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com. That's blackwallstreetdistrict.com. Join us today and touch the world. We want to welcome you to Black Wall Street USA for Thursday, April 21st, 2011. That was Chicago's own kosher with Common Ground at the top of the show. Let's stand on Common Ground. Peace of mind is what we need. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of CBBN, author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, Book 1, 2010, and your co-host for this evening's show. Our host, Mr. Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and publisher of the South Street Journal, will be joining us shortly. We want to thank last week's Yes, that was Miss Sandra Bivens. She's the chair of the Black Wall Street's 51st Street District. She is seriously involved in so many activities, I can't even name them. And she makes some of these organizations that have been around for decades and decades look like they're standing still. Miss Viv- Bivens was also on the scene reporting from President Obama's fundraiser over at Navy Pier on Chicago's lakefront last Thursday evening, and I would like to get a follow-up perspective from her soon. Also with us last Thursday, Ms. Felicia Miller joined us with some of the youth who will be part of the Black Wall Street Youth Committee very, very, very soon. So stay tuned as we are in the process of planning a whole youth segment, and I'd love for Ms. Felicia to be a part of that process. But you can listen to all our shows, including last week's show, right here at blogtalkradio.com slash cbbn in our archives. And Black Wall Street USA is the official broadcast of Black Wall Street National, thanks to the support of the national office. And we always want to give our national president and his staff uh, a big hand for staying with us. You can listen to our shows also at blackwallstreetdistrict.com. Our show link is right on the front page on the main page at Black Wall Street District. You can join us every Thursday evening right here for Black Wall Street USA. We're here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday evenings, and we want you to be here on Thursdays to be a part of sustaining and increasing black businesses across the country. This is uh, CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. This is our 148th show. Wow, I'm so excited. Uh, I checked it out on iTunes, and uh, it says 148, and I'm, I'm so happy about that. <laughs> I'm um, not planning to stop. I'm planning to grow. We're going to initiate a new segment, uh, Chicago's Black Business Radio Network.com, all black, all Chicago, all you. So look for that within the next 90 days, hopefully shorter than that. Uh, the demand is rising for that. People want to join us on the air. we got things to do. We not only have things to say, we have things to do. If you're interested in being a guest on an upcoming show, give us a call, 312-239-8835. I'm at Chicago's Black Business Network.com. Join us today and touch the world. This show has a national focus. focus. We reach out to organizations and individuals across the nation in our efforts to connect the dots. 
We want to hear the people's story. That's where we go. The spiritual dots of our people across this land. We want to bring forth ideas and agendas that are already in place and let the nation know what works in our communities. Because there are programs, there are activists, there are leaders um, who do what it is they do and they do it well. And we don't talk to them enough. We don't hear from them, hear from them enough. We don't see them enough. They're not out in front enough. But we want to know what works, and that's the thing for this year. Tell us what works in your community. Call me at 312-239-8835. Our ongoing question for this year is, what did black America accomplish in 2010? We're not going back to the beginning of time, 2010, and what is the number one priority for our communities in 2011? Number one, number one priority. We'll be asking, I guess, this question this evening and on every show as we move across the country. Dr. Webb Evans is our guest this evening. Dr. Evans has been buying black, has been has been a buying black advocate for more than fifty years as part of the United America Pro- Progress Association, that's the UAPA, by Black Campaign. I can't read people. <laughs> President Dr. Webb Evans says that the initiative for Buying Black is the second phase of Dr. Martin Luther King's dream. He's going to give it to you straight up with no chaser. Can you dig it? For more information on the UAPA, call 773-268-1873. 773-268-1873. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. That's a lot of numbers for you, isn't it? This is Black Wall Street USA, and our calling number is... Three four seven three two six nine four seven seven. You'll also see it across the top of your screen on our show page. The chat room is open. Ron Carter's in the chat room. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. Uh, all those things you say on Facebook, come over and say it in the chat room. <laughs> uh, this is how we connect. Press the number one if you'd like to speak to our host, our guest. If you simply have a question or comment, the show is nationwide. As a matter of fact, it's worldwide. Worldwide. Uh, we're talking in London, Uganda. Where aren't we talking? We're talking everywhere tonight. Let's welcome the chairman of Black Wall Street, Chicago, to the air. How you doing, Ron? I'm doing great. How are you, Sonia? Whoa. <laughs> I'm only on one cup of coffee today, so I'm doing. I'm still mellow. I'm still mellow. Well, I don't even know if I had a cup today. I had to have a cup today. I had to. Yes, I did, because I fixed the coffee pot. So, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, but the day is going nice and productive. Uh, we always have our um, Black Wall Street meeting on Thursday, and we had our special meeting on minority. Uh, we're going to scratch that word minority, and we're going to use the word parity. And that means that we are looking for controlling the automatic menu in the black ward so that the alderman be responsible for getting black contracts under the $1.3 million each of them get. So we got a heck of agenda, which is going to be historical upon this legislation passed in city council. So we are on the move and uh, steadily focusing on sustaining and increasing black businesses. 
So tell me this, Chairman. In order for the parity legislation, is that what it's called now? Yes. Uh, that means that it is based on the racial population of a ward, that that particular ward is represented with contracts that, uh, again, are represented of the racial population of that particular ward. So if you got a ward that is 99% white and you got 99% white uh, contractors doing the work, that's fine. But it just so happens when the black neighborhood, you got 99% other folks working on it, the contracts in their ward. So we're looking at changing that around, and that's what this parity legislation will represent, a a a balance of contracts under the alderman's control to make sure that the racial population is well represented with the contracts that is under the alderman's control, opposed to being under the city hall control. It'll go directly under the responsibility of the alderman to make sure that the contracts that are let in their ward represents the racial population of that particular ward slash community. Now, in order for that to happen, that's a big vision, in order for, because it hasn't happened in the past, in order for this to take place, what what is the process? It's not the process of you talking about it, the community talking about it, us talking about it. Someone needs to present it on the council floor, and who would that be? And after it's presented on the council floor, uh, what needs to take place? After it's presented on the uh, council floor, it'll be assigned to committee. And the committee will work out the, 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 the kinks and the dot the I's, cross the T's, and then they will present it back to the city council to get a vote. That process of time frame has not been uh, solely identified, but Alderman Mitts of the West Side uh, 37th Ward wants to put this legislation on the city council floor in May. And Alderman Latasha Thomas, uh, who is going to spearhead her reelection bid to have contracts of her priority and especially upon her becoming the chairman of the Black Caucus of the City Council. So we have a three-pronged type of approach where all of, I'm sorry, where Mayor-elect Rahm Emanuel has signed on to this parity uh, legislation uh, proposal uh, in which we're going to the top down and we're working with the aldermen so that we can fit in the middle, and then we're going to go toward the community at large to get their support for this parity legislation as well. So those are the three angles, uh, but then there's the fourth angle where we are organizing the contracts so that we want contractors to be readily to be able to take on this uh, proposal upon it being passed in city council, in which Alderman Brookings supports the legislation, but his concern is 
let's not just pass some legislation and it sits on the shelf because we do not have contractors, at least in the black community, that's able to fulfill the legislation objectives and goals. You listen to Black Wall Street USA with the chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, Ron Carter. I'm Sonia Perdue. Uh, one of my concerns for me, number one, well, two things. I want to see this. I want to see this fight go up in City Hall because I'd like to see somebody say black people are not supposed to have jobs. I want to see how they word that. But anyway, um, I want to see that fight. That's like one of them Harold Washington Council Ward things strike back, stabbing and scratching. And it won't be necessarily that, that type uh-huh. of. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Go ahead, Chair. Let somebody just get so selfish because right mm-hmm. now. Those, and it may be to the point that other folks have been getting the contracts in our wards. So that means that they're going to have to step back. And if they have to step back and they don't realize the importance of this, then it can be one of those drawn-out things. But it is something that has to be brought to the head, uh, the automatic menu, only represents maybe about ooh, 2% of all the contracts. So it's not a real big, but it's big to the point that when we look at who's doing the work in our community, and if we can turn that around, then the same way relates to other wards. Uh, say the 42nd Ward, again, which is a white uh, ward, is for them to have parity to represent their community in the same way with the Hispanic. If a Hispanic is 50% of a particular ward, then they should get 50% of those contracts. And if the blacks are 30% of that ward, then they should get at least 30%. And it's just so um, interesting enough that a white alderman, alderman um, Fioretti, it's the one that's leading this parity legislation, in which his ward is approximately uh, 50% black and 50% others, others meaning Hispanic, Caucasians, and other nationalities. So this is a legislation that is not based on uh, a set-aside. It's not based on no uh, minority um, uh Bean County is based on the humanistic value of the community having contract procurement control ran by the alderman in which it is a closer uh, accountability opposed to looking at City Hall trying to meet its long overdue goal of having blacks to have a fair representation. Taking into consideration blacks is about 40% of the population but represents 8% of the contracts. And the same thing can apply to Washington, D.C., uh, in which uh, Washington, D.C. has something like 90% uh, blacks but only close to point zero seven of the contracts in Washington, D.C. So we got to change that whole direction around. And this is a start to make that happen. 
And this is a story. Listen to Black Wall Street USA. I have a couple of concerns uh, about this. Number one, uh, is that the American way, Ron? You're asking for a percentage, uh, and you're calling it parity for people to work in their community. Don't I, as an American, have the right to work in any community? Don't I have a right to be a part of any contract going on anywhere and not calling for parity but calling for fairness across the country to government contracts which are in the billions and billions and billions? Uh, why are we stopping I mean, it's, I don't think you're stopping. I think you're starting with parity because it has not been addressed, and it must be addressed, and it must be fought out. And when you say coming to a head, it is like coming to a head, a big old nasty piece of pus that uh, needs to be taken care of that's been on the back of our people for quite some time. But when I, I listen to it, yes, it does need to be addressed, and this is one step one of addressing in my mind. And you tell me, Chairman, because you all up in it and you know more about it than I do. I'm here to learn. Uh, is that the American way? Why should why uh, aren't we fighting to have parity in all contracts? That's a well, that's an issue. Well, you say wait a minute. You say we're forty percent of Chicago population, but when you look at the amount of money uh, that's going to be spent in different wards and the type of contracts that are going to be issued in different communities, uh, do we have control of what? what type of construction is going on in different communities. When I look at certain areas, it looks like more uh, construction going on in other areas than in our area. So that's a lack of dollars. So I have a concern about that. And let me tell you my second concern, and you can address that. Uh, my second concern is the number of That was a storybook, York- but go ahead. Yeah, uh, um, I'm learning from you. But let me, let me uh, say my second concern. Uh, the number of organizations who are now jawjacking about this parity and contracts and that type of thing, uh, it's a bit divisive to me. We're all trying to have, you know, we want to get to the same place. We're coming from, we're trying to get to the same point on the map, the same place, and we're coming from 90 different places doing it. Chairman, are you going to try and call these organizations together so that we can be on one map and united to do this? That was the whole content of the meeting uh, this morning, where, as I stated, there are a three points of implementation, but the fourth point is also organizing the contract-related organizations that would be benefit. Now, taking in full consideration that upon us first talking about this almost a year ago, Alderman, former Alderman, um, I forgot his name, he's a former Alderman, Ed Smith, indicated, why are you all messing around with peanuts? If all the contracts that are available, why you got to deal with the peanuts? And that same sentiment was expressed by Alderman Willie Cochran. He said, why are we messing around with the peanuts of all these contracts that's going on? So the response is is that those are peanuts that we're not getting. Those peanuts represent over $24 million annually. And that's based on each ward gets $1.3 million. And of that $1.3 million, 
times 19 aldermen, that's a little over $25 million annually that we have not been getting. Now, taking that, that, uh, that $24 million is probably no more than 10%, if that, of the total contracts, we do have an internal structuring that we have to do to prepare to, to get those contracts. We still got the issues of the union, that this, leg, that this legislation gets around the union because that the union has been an issue with black contractors. Bonding has been an issue with black contractors. Uh, upfront money has been an issue with black contractors. So this legislation is to call for a... Um, a parity of accessibility to do this work as well because a lot of times contractors, black contractors, that do not have the upfront money to do a job. You know, it's almost like going into uh, the auto dealer uh, to, to get some work done. They get all the equipment to do the job, and when they finish the job, they, they with the labor, and with the, their uh, expenses of utilities, the expenses of having a new tire in stock, all of that is in place for them. With black contractors, that is not in place for the most part. They do not have that upfront capital, and we're still dealing with the issue of financial redlining. So because this $1.3 million is really a test run of organizing black contractors to meet the needs of the work that needs to be done, that means that we have to change the, the union requirements, we have to change the bonding requirements, and we even have to have the city to put up some front money so certain contractors can do the job. So this is a test run to look at the big picture. And it is not based on just a – it is based on the historical uh, racism that have exists in having blacks get the contract. When Hale Washington was – alive, what's that, 25 years or so ago, blacks were at 18% of the contracts. Now today, we're about 7%. Something has happened. Something has happened that instituted more racism, something that happened that made the procedures even more difficult, something has happened that blacks were not... Uh, uh, develop more in the trades in order to do it, something has happened that reduced 18% to less than 8% in a 25-year span. So we do have a lot of internal work in order to prepare. But again, this automatic menu is a small percentage that we have not gotten all the time. So we're making those, as we can call, baby steps 
to get to the big picture. And as we do this model, this model is no different than what needs to be done to all over the United States. So San Diego, Los Angeles, Oakland, uh, Washington, D.C., even Atlanta City, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, uh, Ben Harbor, um, uh, Detroit, Michigan, with the black population that it has, it still haven't got the contract procurement that represents to sustain and increase those black contractors in those cities. So Chicago is not unique in its lack of participation. But we have to start somewhere, and starting somewhere also means starting preparing the contract procurement for blacks. So we're going to have that contract procurement on a real community level so that the community can see progress. So when they walk down 76 in Vincennes and they see some guys doing some street repair, some concrete work, and if they don't look and represent the parity of that ward, they can go directly to the alderman and get some accountability. And if that accountability means that we have to put more blacks training, then they can be trained on those existing projects that's already been allocated to be done under the control of the alderman. So, yes, we got a long way to go, but we know that this here is a step. And if um, if I can be so bold to say that if the alderman of eight aldermen has backed it along with the mayor-elect, and if the mayor-elect is true to his position, even to the point that the report that we got today, that he made his point to support this before the election and he made his point to support this after the election. So it is going to take our might of structuring the agenda to get this on the city council floor this May to start this process. Uh, it's a long time coming. It is a frustrating and tedious uh, procedure getting it on city council, and those haters just going to have to show their hate and faith. And so that we can bring this to a head, that it's not just all about uh, the meeting the criteria, but the overhead cloud of racism that has kept blacks out of this process. So, Chairman, you can't answer the tough questions. You listen to Black Wall Street USA. That's Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Purdue. I got it. Now, I am going to uh, – I always say I'm not political. I don't have the temper, temperament or the time for it, but I am going to watch this parity legislation <laughs> as it unfolds because it's going to be a fight. When you start talking about money uh, up in that city council, it's going to be quite interesting. That's televised, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to have to watch that. Uh, what uh, I want to do now, you mentioned Harold Washington. Everybody knows, everybody knows that CBBN – on Blog Talk Radio, Chicago's Black Business Network dot com are both dedicated to Mayor Harold Washington. And uh just to tell you, Harold April is Harold Washington's month, as far as I'm concerned. Um 
don't want to take anything from anyone else, such as Jesus Christ. But uh, April is Harold Washington's month. April 7th, uh, Harold Washington was reelected as Chicago mayor. That was 1987. April 12th, he was first elected. Uh, Chicago's first black mayor in 1983, April 15th, was Harold Washington's birthday, and April 29th was his inauguration for the first time. That was April 29th. So Chicago's Black Business Network, in conjunction with the South Street Journal newspaper, we are putting out a special political and community issue, and it's all about how you remember Harold Washington. This is where we're going with this. We're going to create some testimonials uh, for Harold Washington. There may never be another Mayor Harold Washington. There may never be another Harold Washington, um, in my mind at least. And uh, we want to create a testimonial DVD. I told somebody my uh, drug of choice is working, then creating more work for me, so here I go. But I think this is important that we have the people's testimony uh, about Harold Washington. You know, as you reflect back on as they uh, took Harold to the cemetery, how people was lying up on both sides of the street, uh, teary-eyed. One of my girlfriends called me when she heard Harold Washington had died and say she couldn't believe it. She didn't cry that much when her mother died. Um We've asked the question on some shows, uh, CBBN on Blog Talk Radio, uh, how do you remember Harold? And I didn't know when I first asked the question what emotions that it evoked in people. So it, it has never left my mind that this is an important testimony that we do this, and it's also leading to another project for me. I do hope at the conclusion of all of this, and I'm not promising that all the testimonials would be in this documentary, but I am moving forth. I would like to create a documentary, Remembering Hell Washington, the history of a Chicago man, uh, because he is more than just a mayor. He has a lot of attributes, and we don't want to forget. This is about creating our own history. This is an opportunity to write our own history This is the opportunity to be a part of our own history. And sometimes we don't get that. As a matter of fact, rarely do we get that. You know, the blog talk radios, the Internet radio shows have given us more freedom of speech than we've ever, ever had. And some fools don't even know what to do with that. But uh, as you can see across the Internet, what's going on out there. But it has also opened up avenues for a lot of communication, such as what we did tonight, talk about the parity legislation that is going to be presented by the alderman in May uh, in the city of Chicago. But this this is important, and, I, and I'm going to keep talking about it because it's going to be done. Um, I'm going to see to it that it's done with your help. But I, I think it's it's rare that we get to write our own history and pay tribute to a man such as Harold Washington in, in our own way. Usually it's the scholars and the professors and the institutions that uh, – People who don't look like us, don't know us, don't know what we feel when we talk about this man and when we look at this man and when we think about the error and what he did for us. He did a lot for the city of Chicago, and he was about all the people in the city of Chicago, but rarely do we have someone that's for us also. Rarely 
do we? So this is a very important project to me. I know that Dr. Webb is with us, and he's waiting on the line with us, and I appreciate your patience, Dr. Webb. But you know, of course, all of this information that we get out is very important that we do this. Our shows are replayed on WJPC Chicago. So we hope that you call me at 312-239-8835. Let's give uh, the publisher and editor of South Street Journal to say a few words on his memories of Harold Washington. Then we're going to go to a break in Dr. Webb. Well, thank you, Sonia. Uh, that is a a mixture of reflections on Harold Washington. Uh, I definitely was part of the first campaign. I was part of the, the draft Harold Washington, and I was part of some of the meetings that led up to Harold Washington running for mayor. Um, but uh, even prior to uh, him announcing he was going to run for mayor, uh, I had a meeting in his office and uh, this conference table when he was the congressman, and I was sitting right next to him, and I had this guy, my partner, my organizing partner, Joe Bell. He was uh, Reverend Joe Bell. He had some accountability of here in Washington on a particular issue regarding public housing. And uh, Harold Washington stopped in his tracks and he said, don't come in my office giving me that MF blink, 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 blah, 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 blink, blink. And I was sitting right next to him and I looked at him and he kept on with that sale of mouth of his. And uh, so that was really my first one-on-one impression of him. But we got out down to business after he got his street talk out of him. And then uh, listening to him be very diplomatic. And then listening to him when he walked down the public housing and has, he's able to relate. And when I seen the children, uh, when I say the children of seven, eight, and nine years old, uh, begging for a Harold Washington button, I knew he was going to win. I just knew it months before when the children are excited about that particular candidate. So when he died, uh, I cried as well, and not necessarily because of him as the individual, but I had a pre-thought of what's going to come after his death. And behold, what has came after his death is what we have today here in Chicago. And so the cries that many of us had when uh, Barack Obama became president of the United States in our lifetime was almost the same as in our lifetime, Harold Washington became the mayor of Chicago. So there is only one Harold Washington and there's only one Barack Obama, just like there was one Malcolm X, Martin King, and only one Webb Evans. There's one of all of us. And my reflections of Harold is what can we do for each other? I believe that his salary when he became mayor 
I don't think it was no more than 67000 a year. Now that mayor's salary is over 200000 And with his salary, he gave part of his salary away. He did not take his whole salary when he got elected. So Harold, to me, is a reflection that we all are a collaboration to move forward. And he was a tool for us to move forward. Uh, the only problem is that Harold went around talking about he was going to be the mayor for life. And we could have been very satisfied if Harold was mayor for life. Uh, and we did get very dissatisfied with Harold when he endorsed Richard Daly for state's attorney. But we were satisfied with that because Harold made us think that he was going to be the mayor for life, for our lifetime. So we had a, an organizational collapse that should not have happened. Barack Obama did not fulfill everything that we felt here in Chicago, that we knew something was still absent. But something tells me once the cover is pulled, Barack Obama may be just running Chicago, but we don't see him on the fifth floor. So, Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. You listen to Black Wall Street USA on Blog Talk Radio. Our host is Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and publisher of the South Street Journal. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of CBBN, and your host for this evening's show. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. You'll see it up on our main page on Blog Talk Radio. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. Also, if you have some questions you'd like me to ask the chairman or Dr. Webb, who's coming up now, uh, please put them in the chat room. If you'd like to speak to one of our guests or our hosts, you need to give me a signal, and that signal is to press press the number one. We're going to take a brief break here, uh, and we're going to be back with Dr. Webb Evans in just a moment. So please stay with us.
That was You Are the Source of My Strength, performed by Richard Smallwood. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue, founder of CBBN. Our host is Mr. Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. Join us every Thursday evening right here for Black Wall Street USA. We're here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday evenings, and we want you to be with us to be a part of sustaining and increasing black businesses across this country. If you're interested in being a guest on an upcoming show, give us a call at 312-239-8835, or you'll find me on Chicago's Black com. Join us today and touch the world. You may also listen to a rebroadcast of this show at www.wjpcchicago.com Saturday mornings from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. That's www.wjpcchicago.com Let's welcome our host back to the show. And please, Ron, would you introduce our guest for the evening? Well, thank you, Sonia. Uh, it is my... Uh pleasure uh, to to introduce our guest, uh, first time on Chicago's Black Business Network, uh, the Reverend Dr. Webb Evans. He is a political, economic, and a religious activist, and I've met him, whoa, oh, wow, Webb, I think I'm probably getting like you up in the years almost to the point that I think we have known each other over 30 years. Yeah, and at least only. Oh, that's only probably one-third of your life. Yeah, that's right. So how you doing? Welcome to well, uh, Chicago. I'm, I'm doing a fantastic. I'm delighted to be on this program because any time I get a chance to try to wake up my people, you can't get the people up until you wake them up. And to a large extent, economically, to a large extent, look like we'd going to sleep. But that's why I'm so grateful for uh, the uh, the program that you are carrying on is to help to wake our people up to what we can do for ourselves among ourselves. Now, I listened to you all this other what you were saying. We have to still work on making other people give us what we're entitled to. But what about all the money that's going through our hand? I'm sitting here looking at all this business out there, and ain't none of it owned by us. Pretty mm-hmm. well all of it owned by somebody else. And all the money they take out of our neighborhood, they're not bringing in the bank. They're just coming back tomorrow to get some more. And uh, I think the greatest sleeping giant that black people have is the black church. And I speak to 25 and 30 pastors every week, telling them that uh, we got to we, we can't keep them just jumping and shouting. We've got to get our people together to get what God wants us to have here on earth. Well, you have your third book. I, I was, I'm proud that I worked on uh, one of your very first books. You had a second one. Now I have in my hand your third book, which is How Blacks Can Get Off the Economic Bottom. And it's the Historical Community News Journal with political writings, photos, and news clips, and letters to the editor by you. What gave you the inspiration to put these books together? What's the uh, what's the, the focus of the book that you're writing? The focus of the book is just what I just started talking about. See, for years I found out that the people – uh, even as a young man, and I'm not a young man anymore, I found out the people that own everything control everything. And right now, you can't control what other people own. 
And if black people are going to own something, at least we need to own where we're living. And it was Marcus Garvey who made the statement where he said, up, you mighty people. Uh, he said, accomplish what you will. Uh, and, and, and he says, any people, regardless of what race it is, if you're the majority, then you should control that area. Everybody else is doing it but us. Uh, in well, Chinatown, you have to, Chinese you know, control yeah. Chinatown. Greek town, Greeks control. They live it in there. But we, we just live here, and people out of our neighborhood control where we live, and that shouldn't be. Our number one objective should be to own and control where we are. Everybody should have a right to uh, operate the business here, but black people should have more business in the black neighborhood than anybody, and the other people are not. Uh, allowing us up in that neighborhood, they get all the income from their business, and around 95% of the income from our business, how can we progress if we don't change? Well, uh, Dr. Uh, Evans, you have, uh, uh, naturally, you're familiar with the Black Wall Street of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then there is the, even the Black Wall Street in, in Florida. And you have, in your book, uh, uh, notes of Marcus Garvey, uh, Booker T. Washington, Elijah, uh, Elijah Muhammad, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, and Dr. Uh, W.E.B. Du Bois. Now, these are historical uh, black spokespersons and leaders that has been in and implementing or attempting to implementing what you are talking about today. But it that, seems that. as though upon you preaching and, and and not only preaching but implementing based on your relationship with the United American Progress Association, it still seems foreign. Or is it foreign what you're talking about? Or is there something else in the psyche, or is it racism that blacks have not been able to implement what you and others before you are talking as far as the bad black and to sustain black businesses? Well, I think we have the face. I believe racism, it was here when we got here, and I believe racism is going to be here when we leave here, but we got to say in spite of what we want to do. And these great uh, uh, men and uh, women that I uh, uh, wrote about and I often think about in the Bible, I only read about one Moses, but we've had a lot of Moses. Uh, you've got uh, Alab Elijah Muhammad. Uh, you've had uh, Madam C.J. Walker. You've had S.B. Fuller. And uh, Marcus Garvey did more pretty well than them trying to get us on the, the right track. But all Why of those, and I'm most nominee Joshua to come on the scene. But, but why is it that it's not been implemented as, as plain as the common person hanging on the corner, as well as the Oprah Winfrey, the Michael Jordans, and the, uh, the three-year-old boy that's walking down the street, why and how it has not been implemented? Well, uh, really, just as I stated, the church have not taught us the economic side of the Bible. There's an economic side of the Bible just like a spiritual side. We have dealt with the with spirituality, but we haven't dealt with reality. The spirituality what about is the, the spirit other races? I mean, are you saying that they're more in tune 
with their uh, religion in order to uh, have their more prosperity among their own people? Oh, yeah, definitely so. There's one thing that's actually true, uh, true what we do. The Bible, the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you land. And I say the same thing, but he is worthy. But when you get through making a joyful noise on Sunday, what else do you do before the next Sunday? We come back home. We got unemployment down the neighborhood. You got business failing in the neighborhood. You got the alcoholics in your neighborhood. You got the dope addicts in your neighborhood. You got a little everything. What did you do between that Sunday and the other Sunday when you went back to church and made a joyful noise? So, so we got to do more than make a joyful noise. Okay, but then are you saying that uh, the spirituality of other folks have a clear definition in doing for self and their economic agenda than black America? Far different. Oh, far different. The other people don't only just deal with spirituality, they deal with reality. They create their own jobs and they got on their own business. Uh, the people who look just look for a job will always be unemployed more than those who create jobs. Other people are creating jobs while we're looking for a job. And there's enough money going through the hands of black people right now that uh, we should be owning the majority of the business where we are living. Uh, what happened to I, 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 I just just read today where that uh, black people are spending $65 billion for food alone. And then from the United States Department of Labor states that a billion dollars spent will create on the average of 50,000 jobs. Don't you see why we're trying to make these other people give us a job? Uh, the one we are in town to, we should try. But then if we spend our money among ourselves, then we'd be surprised how many jobs that we could put our people to work. Well, again, I want to get a clear understanding is why is it that black America has not been on the same level as other nationalities when it comes to owning businesses and buying among ourselves? What happened? Well, I can easily answer that question. They don't have the same background we have. Uh, when, when, when Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, and we say he freed us. He put us on the road to freedom. We're not the only people been enslaved, but we're the only people been enslaved as we were enslaved. When 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 he signed the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, uh, that didn't even uh, uh, get us out of slavery. We didn't have any food. We didn't have any place to stay. We didn't have a job. We didn't have a mule. We didn't have a land. We didn't have anything. And if somebody else owned everything, then you still a slave of those people who own everything. And then what they did, they gave us a license for a church. And they used the same Bible that we use and slave our minds. When they got sort of one cha- uh, slave in our body, then they started dealing with our mind. Our first, and a lot of people, you don't read too much about it, but our first, uh, some of our first teachers were the slave masters. And they taught us that part of the Bible where it said, obey those who are over you, but it didn't say slave. And then it says, slave, obey your master. But it didn't say slave master. But he taught us that and told about we're going to hell if we didn't do that. And even to the day that there are certain whites that feel that we should just work for them and they own the business. They taught us that we weren't supposed to own business. So we have a complete different type of background than whites have, you see. 
definitely so. But but we got uh, we got to overcome. We, we, we got to overcome that. Kind of astute enough to realize the 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 the, the social and religious manipulation that put us in the place today that we are should be able to turn it around, given the fact that we have uh, black people has been in slavery for 400 years, and we've only been legally so-called out of slavery given about 150 years. Even though 150 years is not that long ago, taking into consideration you're 97 years old. So that means that... <laughs> What that means that you were mainly you were born maybe about what uh, uh, forty years or yeah. so right after yeah. slavery, and so since you was born maybe forty years after slavery, are black people justified by not having the same type of of, of stability economically? But if I can put a point on that is that other nationalities has only been in the United States for maybe about the last 25 or 30 years, and their economic prosperity has jumped um, 90% fold than black folks that's been so-called free for 150 years. What's the psychic there? How is all this happening? Well, I, I can tell you the psychic ground on that. Uh, those people came here together mentally. They were on one accord. Uh, and we have been, and then, of course, I understand they got other help. But that's why I say in spite of, of what we're going to have to, to, to uh, do. When those people came here, they didn't come here with the kind of mind that we had coming out of slavery. And that's why they are ahead of us. Everybody that comes right today, according to the Census Bureau, that we've gotten the top in nearly everything you think of except economic. When it comes to that dollar, they said black people at the economic bottom. And that's why I wrote this book, How to Get Old. I, I, I got in this book. That's why we own it, and I got in this book how to get off it. And this book needs to be into everybody's home, even for the children to read it, how we can get off the economic bottom. And then we got to stop depending on other people. Uh, other people don't come here depending on others. Jews looking out for Jews. Chinamen looking out for Chinamen. Arabs looking out for Arabs. Who are we looking out for? Spending all your money with the people who live somewhere else. So who or what is going on in Chicago, and knowing that you have been around the country, as a matter of fact, around the world, uh, yeah. preaching this uh, message of buy black and self-sustaining, what have you seen in your travels that gives you some um, positive outlook that the black community uh, will be able to turn this economic bottom around? Well, number one, the uh, Hebrew Israelites of England, uh, not uh, not England of uh, uh, Israel. When I went to uh, Israel, I did. I, I, I was I was so happy to see my people not depending on somebody else for the job. At least over eighty percent of the jobs of blacks in Israel are created by blacks. They carried me to their own to their bakery where they made all the bread they ate. They carried me to their ice cream place where they made all the ice cream that they ate. They carried me to two clothing factories where they made all the clothes that they they they, they wore. So that was if they could do it there, then I could say we can then do it here. 
And they, How can and we some of those same here? people over there, some of those same people over there, some of the people from here. And they, they're see, not looking for uh, other people to give them a job. They create their own jobs. Got their okay, own well, farm, got their own grocery stores. And not just in Chicago, we understand that the beauty supply industry is where at one time the black community, say Salsheen uh, and, and all these other, the, the proud lady products, the black uh, chemistry hair products, it was a real conglomerate on the market. But the Koreans came in and they bought up the market and they owned the wholesaling in which they are not allowing other nationalities to purchase wholesale. So given that, I know that the only thing that can be done, in my perspective, is that the blacks need to develop their own products. If that's the it. That's wholesalers it. that's owned by Koreans are not given the same discounts, so the black beauty uh uh, hair shops are not able to give a more value for the dollar. So See. there are some systematic industry uh, collaborations that are stopping blacks from getting into that industry the same way that uh, the black funeral homes had a problem with other nationalities starting about the black funeral homes. How yeah, they're trying can to take over the we be able to get some type of unified effort in the distribution and the wholesaling in order to actually open up these businesses? But, Ron, and to all the people listening in, black people got to get a, a, an economic mind. In the Bible, it's someplace there where it, uh, the Lord told the man he needed to be born again. He didn't want to know what to go back in his mother's womb. He said, no, you got to be born spiritually. Black people got to have a rebirth of economics. We got to have an economics or get our mind tuned in on how can we use this dollar to help black people advance. And if we don't do that, because regardless of how free you feel, as long as somebody else owns everything, then you're somewhat of a slave to those who own everything. They're going to control us. So that's what I'm thinking, that black people should should get up in the morning, go to bed at night, thinking about economic, how can I spend a dollar, how can I invest in a dollar in a black neighborhood? I think it's a shame before God that with around a million black people in Chicago, and we don't even have a decent supermarket. And, and, and that's why I said it, the black church is the greatest sleeping giant that we have. But you for know economics. that there is a matter of fact, I was listening to WVN here in Chicago, the only black radio station uh, this morning, and uh, I just caught this tail in where one caller said you got these handkerchief um, um, sell-out black preachers that are the ones responsible for the position that we're in. Now, even in the church that I go to, I hear the message, but I never hear the preachers or the ministers give a clear definition of who the enemy is, per se. So and when I say that, is that if they use the, the Bible 
is a reference as pulling themselves up, but you never hear them implement in a bigger type of drive as a unit. You have ministers, preachers like yourself, the sending this message, but as a whole, what is the problem in organizing the ministers to do their part? Well, I think we just need to show those up who are not doing it. And uh, I, I, I heard you mention something about in two, uh, 2010. Uh, there are changes that make me feel, like I said, good. On the 10th of uh, 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 April, uh, we the, at the Cathedral Baptist Church, we had a program bringing together. Not, not the 10th of April. Are you talking about the 10th of May or another date? Uh, I said the April. Oh, this is already something that happened already? Yeah, uh-huh. We, we, okay. we had okay, that. Ahead. We brought together business people and religious people. And we are too divided, you see what I mean? Religious uh, is all on one hand, and then the business people on the other. And, 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 and those are two greatest things that should be working together. What is, I don't say every church should be in business, but I think they should be traffic directors. The church could be the greatest traffic director directing their members to spend their money. If if we live together, we go to church together, we sing, pray, and shout together, then I think the minister teach our people, let's put some dollars together and take well, over our is, neighborhood. Is, is there some measurable steps that came out of this meeting on uh, well, April 10th? Well, the, the most encouraging thing about it is the number of ministers there want the same type, want me to have the same type of program at that church. Well, then, is what is the follow-up? I mean, what is the direction? Is there some type well, of... Well, that's, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a number of meetings throughout the city where business people and the churches have programmed together, getting our people that those who go to a black church on Sunday go to a black-owned business on Monday. Okay, yeah, I'm not for sure, but I think when we was at Reverend Grant's program that Friday night, you uh, brought it to my attention of coming to coming with you to a certain meeting. Was that the meeting that you were referring to? Yes, was it. That was it. Yeah, that was that okay. was a wonderful meeting. Everybody said that they enjoyed it, and what was what was so good about it that a number of other ministers told me that we certainly want to work with you at our church, bringing the church and business people together. Uh huh. Well, see, it, it it just doesn't make sense, Ron, and to those who listen in. For black people to go to church and sing and shout and pray together, and then Monday morning taking all the money somewhere else. And then as long as the people who in your neighborhood don't live in it and taking all the money out of it, that's going to always keep that neighborhood down. And, and in fact, that's one of the parts of suffering of our country now. We're spending too much money abroad, where other countries are not spending enough with America. And and, and and this country has gotten too much like what black people have been all the while. We live in one neighborhood and spend practically all our money with people live somewhere. And ain't no way for us to get off the bottom until we turn around and start spending every dollar we can with the people who live where we're living because the other people, I don't know if any, maybe some black-owned business in uh, Chinatown or other, but I don't know why the Chinese uh, live, they own most of the business there. 
And where the Greeks lived, they owned most of the business there. Where Arabs lived, they owned most of the business there. And there shouldn't be any different where black people live. We should own most of the business where we're living. And I'm still saying the church should take the lead in getting us to do it. Well, naturally, uh, Black Wall Street, Chicago, we're up to 17 Black Wall Street districts. A lot of those districts definitely is not majority black, but that's the initiative to move so that the community can actually see these businesses uh, opposed to actually just talking about them. Is there initiative? Black Wall Street is the greatest thing that could ever happen to us. Get our minds. I said the Black Wall Street is one of the greatest things that ever happened to black people. Get our mind off of just marching and making other people do this and marching for this and marching for that. Let's march with that dollar. That's what Black Wall Street is all about. And, right. and and those who know about Black Wall Street, I don't know how many people know about it. Uh, Black Wall Street in uh, Oklahoma had pretty well more business than all the rest of black people in the country. They had well, their own dance hall. They, they had the dance hall. They had the theater. They had the banks. They had the dry goods stores. They had the department stores. They had everything, and people were borrowing money from them. And and then let me share this with you to so those who listen in, those who studied the Bible. The Bible says, I will make you lenders instead of borrowers. And I bet we got more payday loan people in the black neighborhood than they got in the way so I'll put you on top instead of the bottom. And and then here it is, economically black at the bottom. We're not, we're not going according to the Bible, what the Bible said, but then it's something that we've got to do. Uh, in well, the Bible, what do you let, let, let me state this. In the Bible, it what said you're it, doing with the United American Progress Association, uh, and also with the Temple of Mercy, and then there is Black Wall Street. What do you see other organizations, uh, either in Chicago or in the nation, that is that have an implementation uh, objectives in that black dollar? I didn't fully understand you. What other, uh, uh, we know what UAPA is doing. We know what the Temple of Mercy is doing. We know what Black uh-huh. Wall Street is doing, and there's others uh-huh. as well. But is there any other organizations or leadership that you see or know of uh, in the United States that have an implementation plan of to buy black and to sustain black businesses. Well, I don't. I, I'm not acquainted with all what's going on in the, in the whole country. Whereas the others would like what we are doing. I think if we do it more, we will convert other people to do what we are doing. Because okay, before so, the Black uh, Wall Street, I mean, then people weren't doing people weren't doing anything. But, but but the United American Progress Association, we be celebrating our 50th year this year. I have a golden anniversary of telling black people that you got to own something, and 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 we can't just go on looking for a job. We got to create some jobs. That's that's where that's what we just need to concentrate on now. And the more we do that, the more other people will come over to our side. This is the future of blacks. Uh, we done march for this and march for that. I done march for nearly, nearly every cause that you can think of. But but all of that's a, let me say this, and that was the biggest mistake that black made during the civil rights movement. And I told Dr. King about it. 
And I said, I don't understand. With all of our margin, they're putting the dogs on us. They're putting the water holes on us. They're putting us in jail and all of that. And I said, Reverend King, and we're still spending all our money with the same people that are doing that. And these was his word. I said, it looked like we'd be spending our money with each other. He says, Evan, what you're talking about, I'm going to get to that. But right now I'm trying to open up some opportunities for our people. And before he pays, he said he was chained the struggle for civil rights to a struggle for economic and political empowerment. So so that's where we are today. We need to concentrate now on on uh, number one, education. Education I votes mean, the dollar. I mean, that, that's what's going to get blacks off the bottom. Years ago, that uh, well, that's 1960, uh, 1968, 67. He said that, and so we're looking at 40 years later. Uh, can you identify any particular organization in Chicago, at least, that is on that path of economic uh, prosperity and well, black dollars? Well, the United American Progress Association has a record that we've gotten over 100 treasures. <laughs> yeah, that's the way we got a record of over 100 treasures. The Black Club having a banquet now in the black neighborhood who was having it in the white neighborhood when we started, and we've, we've gotten more people to spend their money, and I've had any number of people that spend their money with blacks today used to never go to a black-owned business, but yet we don't have enough. And I would say we who are doing it, we must still convert others on the importance of the dollar because at the uh, minister at the pastor's conference, sometimes they tell me I talk too much about money, and I tell them, no, you're not going to. You're not going to get through this life without money. You never would have known how good the Good Samaritan was if he hadn't had some money to help that man. So based on that, then, you're seeing different pockets within the community, say, such as uh, uh, you're saying a lot of black organizations or churches are starting to have their banquets among black I'm, I'm advocating. I'm advocating instead of... For the churches, for the churches, I think I got it in my book here. For the churches of having uh, Alabama Club, Mississippi Club, Mary Club, John Club, Willie Club, and all that, let's start some economic clubs in the church, or uh, some saving clubs, and the buy black clubs, and and something so along that line. Say that are on that path that uh, that's taking steps towards that here in Chicago. Which do you can you name a particular church? that's taking an active leadership role in the message that you've been uh, professing? I don't know. This pastor just started with me uh, at uh, 4310 South Champlain. Now, he is really interested in getting his people to, to, uh, that come to his church is to spend their money with business people who live in the church. And then maybe that's where our next uh, program will be, where we're pulling it, bringing together business and uh, religious leaders. But uh, other than that, uh, other than the Temple of Mercy, I know the Temple of Mercy, uh, with uh, Minister Rahim being the chairman of my board, uh, he's definitely 100% because he got uh, he even got uh, a store where it's it, uh, everything black. Because uh, I'd like to sell what the other person manufactured too. Because we're not manufacturing enough just to sell everything black, but we should be selling everything that's produced by blacks, and and that would help help a lot too. But the more money circulating in the neighborhood, I don't know whether 
most black people know it. The more a dollar circulates in a neighborhood, the more it helps that neighborhood. If I spent ten dollars with you, and you spent that ten dollars with somebody else, and if that ten dollars went to ten people, then that ten dollars did a hundred dollars worth of good in the neighborhood. But if I spent ten dollars with somebody living in Cicero, that's the end of that ten dollars for helping the black neighborhood. So uh, a lot of people don't seem to see that, then, but that's 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 where I see the more money circulating in a neighborhood, the better. And and I think now I think the the point is money circulating in the neighborhood more than any other group that's over here now. So are you saying that now some of the churches are starting to implement that message? Oh, opposed oh yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a number. And then uh, Cathedral by Reverend Otis Anderson. Now for the last three or four. Uh, weeks, just last three or four weeks, I have never heard him uh, make remarks after the preaching as he's making now about concern how we need to come together in our community to help one. Just this Sunday he, he spoke about it, what we used to have and what we done lost. We got to get it back. And maybe if we keep on showing what we have lost by not supporting them, it would cause us to turn and uh, support uh, Black Wall Street and the United American Progress Association. I see a great future for black people, but I don't see it without us coming together. All what you said when you were discussing, all that was good. Uh, and for it to have uh, Mayor Hal Washington, uh, he and Charles Evers, the only two uh, mayors that I ever had their home number. I could call Mayor Washington at home, and I could call Medgar Evers at home, but there's the only two I ever had. And... Uh, and 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 he he was one of my uh, great supporters. So what we need to do, though, I need to get uh, more of uh, top people involved. Now, and let me share this with you too. Uh, Who would makes, you call uh, uh, top people for an example? Well, I said people like uh, Reverend Meats. People like uh, uh, Reverend uh, Jenkins, or in the religious world. I'm talking about in the religious world now. Uh, well, I'll that, tell you that, what. You have been naturally. You have been to just about every Black Wall Street summit since uh, its beginning in May 2007, even to the point that you're a Black Wall Street honorary chairperson. Uh, I will make this commitment with you that those ministers that you have mentioned that will help, that can help turn this message around, such as uh, at Fellowship and such as uh, 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 James Meeks and even the church that I go to, uh, Trinity, uh, Reverend Moss, I will well, well, take you it should, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have a hard time at, uh, uh, over there. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have a hard time at uh, Trinity. I, well, I, have, I haven't talked. My concern in, is, and I have no problems with saying what I'm going to say is that even regardless how Trinity have maybe a minimum of six thousand people. They come through Trinity every Sunday. And with those 6,000 people, and if Reverend Moss preach what you preach regarding the bad black and the accountability, 
that one church can make a heck of a dent in the message that you're getting ready to put out. So even with Black Wall Street has had the church agenda uh, for so long on our our agenda and nothing has happened, uh, I will take it upon myself to work with you and to reach out to those churches to see how we can get some uh, cooperative economics in the well, see, see, that we, you have, have, we have going after my, uh, <clears throat> Ron. I'm going after with the Bible, uh, the economic side, the church not dealing with the economic side of the Bible. Uh, beloved, above all things, I want you to prosper and be in health as your soul prosper. I don't want you to be say, spiritual prosper and can't feed yourself, spiritual prosper and can't educate your children, spiritual prosper and can't pay your rent. And then another place in the Bible where it said, He that does not take care of his own, especially those of his own household, he is denied the faith in West and an infidel. So, what I'm trying to get the minister to see now that we can't only just speak with spirituality, we got to deal with also the economic side. The Bible is the greatest economic book in the world, but we only teach from a spiritual side, and half of our members have uh, own poverty. The Arab Church only teaches the Bible from a spiritual uh, perspective, and 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 but the the Bible is full of information about economics, and and uh, uh, we're not only supposed to take care of ourselves. There are millions of people not able to take care of themselves, and we're supposed to. Now I was with, let me share this with you. I was with a young lady here about a couple of weeks ago at an affair out at the Israel Methodist Community Church. The young lady didn't have any feet didn't have any fingers. Now, there's a lot more in the world just like that. But we're supposed to take care of ourselves and take care of people like that. So, right. so right. the church asks for money every Sunday. But the church right. would be helping, to, helping us to get hold of some money in order to give for these different causes. Mm-hmm. See, that's where I'm coming from. I don't, right. I don't know if any church hall is not asking for money every Sunday. But they should have a program in every church uh, with a minister directing the people to spend their money where it's going to help the community where they're living. Every, every other ethnic group is doing it but us. Mm-hmm. Well, we're definitely going to take on that initiative uh, here at Black Wall Street, given that we're coming up on our fourth anniversary. And as we do so, uh, it just so happens that um, our first anniversary was on Malcolm X's birthday. And even though Malcolm X is known as preaching black nationalism, but in doing that, when we talked about uh, the Black Wall Street districts, a reporter came up to me and indicated that, well, isn't that reverse? discrimination. Aren't you talking about black nationalism? Now, given that the reporter somewhat kind of asked that question to try to get a headline, and I asked the poor reporter off record, I said, why do you ask me some question like that? And the question, the reporter said, well, I know what you're talking about, but I need some headlines. And race sometimes give headlines. So how do we play with this this race card 
or is it playing with a race card and as other people, such as the media, can use that or should we be concerned about them using that against us? Well, regardless of what other people do, I don't blame any people from looking out for themselves. I, don't, I, I, I think self should come first. And that's that's for any race, whether the Jews or Chinese or whatnot, and it should be the same thing with us. And uh, and and if they want to call you racist for that, then they can call me racist because I don't hate anybody. I don't know if anybody in the world I hate because hate will destroy you. But number one, I'm looking out for, for Black Americans. That that, okay. that we, because we're at the bottom, and I really we've been at the bottom all the while. Uh, and I'm just not satisfied being at the bottom. But some of us is. It's been in a condition we're in so long till we just seem to be satisfied with it, but we've got to arouse those people to get them out of that, uh, uh, that, we, that we can do better. The person who's well, well, satisfied we're gonna take a will never have a We've got a caller, and we're going to come right back after this break. Uh, Ms. Sonia Perdue? Thank you. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA, and this is Sonia Cassandra Perdue. We're on the air, I guess is Dr. Webb Evans, and we're going to be right back after this break. Our call number is 347-326-9477. After this break, we're going to go right to our callers. Thank you for waiting.
That was beautiful. That was Boise Queen with Green Dolphin. You listen to Black Wall Street USA. I'm the founder of Chicago's Black Business Network dot com, Sonia Purdue. Our host Ron Carter's on the line and he's waiting in our wings with Dr. Webb Evans. Great show. I just want to remind you, we're here every Thursday evening, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., and we want you to be here with us. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. going to go to the phone lines. If you just give me just one more moment, we have some upcoming events I want to share with the audience uh, before we go to those callers. Uh, the Otis, it's not the Otis, it's the Moreau Foundation, Otis Monroe is the CEO of the Monroe Foundation, but they have a program, uh, Self-Development of People Grant Application Orientation. You uh, can apply for a grant up to $5,000. You do not have to be a nonprofit organization. It's called Self-Development. It provides grants and projects uh, in the areas of community organizing, advocacy, leadership development, and leadership Development means um, that you're working in areas adversely affected by social social injustice, social change, or economic issues. You do not have to be a nonprofit organization. You have to be an organization uh, that's developing, and that's what the grant is for, to help you in that development. That's the 27th of April. Marquette Bank, 6316 Southwestern Avenue, 10 a.m. to noon. You have to RSVP to O. Monroe at the Moreau Foundation. Go to the themoreaufoundation.org for more information. Also, on the 26th, Chicago's Back Business Network, we're going to do an online networking conference call. We've done these before, and they've worked out very well. You come online, you talk about your business vision, products or service, you give us your elevator pitch, you get to connect with people on the line without leaving your office or your home, and we've made some very good connections. Come to our Facebook page, Chicago Black Business Network Facebook page, or come over and join our organization and get more information. That's going to be April 26th, noon to 2 p.m. Also, on the 30th, the Moreau Foundation, go right back to their website, is hosting a second chance checking account day with PNC Bank at 37th and Stony Island. That's going to be from 9.30 a.m. to 11, but you must RSVP. I posted that on Facebook, and we've got uh, quite a few people wanting to participate, but you must RSVP to the Moreau Foundation. I use the example we have a lot of seniors, too many seniors, unbelievable amount of seniors using currency exchanges. They're depositing their Social Security checks, which they charge them for the direct deposit. Then they also charge them to cash the checks. That's just insanity. Uh, those of you who are taking care of these seniors, you need to stop that. You need to stop that. This is a second chance uh, bank account. All of you who get their problems with check system need to be over there on the website, the Moreau Foundation. You can email them at omonroe at the moreaufoundation.org to RSVP. If you had previous problems, they're going to overlook those problems. You need to go get you another checking account. You can open it for $25. 
And then they're going to give you another $25. So what's your excuse? Step going to the Perry's Exchange. This is Sonya Purdue. This is Black Wall Street USA. We do a little bit of everything, but why not? That's what we're supposed to be doing. And we're on the air with uh, Ron Carter. Let's welcome the chairman back. Welcome back to the show, Ron. Let's welcome Dr. Webb back. And, uh, Ron, you ready to go to the phone lines? Yeah, let's go to the phone line and let uh, Webb Evans have a little taste of the public. Um, uh, okay, let's do that. Area code 301, you're on the air with Black Wall Street USA. Tell us where you're calling from and who you are and what's your question or comment. Hello, Black Wall Street and Dr. Evans. This is Bob. This is Bob. How are you, sir? And this is? This is Bob. Hey, Bob, how are you oh. doing again? Good, good, good. Um, good. So you've been listening to, in to uh, Dr. Webb Evans? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And okay. uh, it, it, it's typical, you know. Um, you know, I, I of course I, I ran a campaign talking about black self sufficiency, and uh, again, we religious, uh, economic, and trying to combine the two. Politics trying to combine the three. Where I, I don't see it in my hometown of Detroit, where people are just fleeing. We only have about we got about two or three trendy areas. One of those trendy areas is where Wayne State University is located. The black politicians in Detroit are not asking for blacks to come and develop. Uh, economic enterprise zone in that area. No, that's not what we do. The black politicians are begging Whole Foods to open up a store in that community. Black politicians mm-hmm. across this country are begging white corporate mainstream businesses to come into our community and hire us and make us managers. We are not talking about what we're talking about tonight. I'm sorry. Black politicians do not support that. Also, in order to have a thriving black economic enterprise, we need to be able to congregate. You need to be able to get thousands of people to a particular location. Unfortunately, we got too much damn crime. We got too much crime. And we so, need, Brother uh, Webb, how do you assess uh, Brother Bob's assessment of religion, politics, and economics is not a good jelly? Brother Webb? Great time. Or you think you asked me a question? Uh, Brother Bob's assessment that economics, oh. politics, and religion is not a good combination to get us where we need to go. Uh, I, I think uh, through the religion is 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 one of the greatest. Well, uh, we all go to church every Sunday. I don't know of any other place we go. We go as much as going to the church. And then, of course, a lot a lot of politicians uh, they're in position to uh, to deal with other issues. So we need to be in politics because you need to vote. And what I said, uh, education, votes and dollars can get off the bottom. Now, I was in Mississippi, and I'll be back down there in, uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks uh, in some speaking engagements. Uh, uh, 
Uh, but in Jackson, Mississippi, they only have one uh, city councilman that's white. But white people run Jackson. In the state of Mississippi, they got 30 black legislators. I, I ain't seen one white, but white people run Mississippi. They got the business. It's of utmost importance for black people to start concentrating on business ownership. And uh, the gentleman spoke about managers. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in Detroit quite often. Uh, and he's speaking about what we got managers. Now, I remember Reverend Emerald son when he was living, he used to make white people hire us. But when he passed, he was on my board telling black people, let's create something for ourselves. Uh, we got to go beyond being a manager at a white store now. Our aim now is to own the business instead of being so, a manager well, for somebody else. So, well, you kind of. That would be my plot of him. But the same thing that the brother Bob is speaking of, but um, so you feel as though that even though he says the, the three does not complement each other per se, you are still saying that they do complement each other. They do. Is that correct, they do. Bob? They do. They should be. They should be. If, if the politicians be working to try to help the, the if he's going to help the district in which he's done, he should be helping to keep some money in there. And every every religious leader should be doing the same thing. And I'd like for every person to go to church Sunday, ask that pastor to give you some information on the economic side of the Bible. Give you some information okay, well, on the economic are, are, side of the Bible. Bible. Are you still there? The Bible is the greatest yes, economic book in the world, but most black ministers only preach from a spiritual side. So those so who listen in today, I hope you will ask your minister to give you some information on the economic side of the Bible when you see him Sunday. Okay, so what, uh, Brother Webb, you stated that you uh, visit Detroit often, and Brother Bob, you indicated that's your home. Yeah, they got, one, they, got, they got one grocery store, I think, in uh, Detroit, and we don't have any here. Well, what happened got one, one in black Detroit? grocery store that I know of. Does he know of any other? Yeah, but what no, happened right. in you're Detroit? Right. Correct. Majority black city, but yet the economics are nowhere near uh, a representation of Detroit being a majority black city. What happened in Detroit? Okay, 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 okay. Ron, let me say this very quickly. Ron, let me say this. Let me just say this. In terms of politics, Ron, the Democratic Party run black. You cannot win an election talking about black self-sufficiency, being in education, economics, politics, religion, whatever. You're not going to win. Why not? Okay. Why not? Because the, I, I, I'm telling you, you're not going to get the media play. You're going to be shunned by uh, blacks. The blacks are not going to take you seriously when you talk about black stuff. They're not going to, and the whites are not going to open up the door for you. I'm going to tell you, you've got to kick the door open, but when you try to kick the door open, your own people will not be appreciative of what you're trying to do. It's just a fact now. I'm not, what, I know what, what would be your suggestion? What would be hey, your let suggestion? Let me ask sir? you this, then. Based on the here, scenario here, here, that here, you here. said in Detroit, there's a majority black. Are you saying that we're chasing our tail in, for Detroit when we talk about black economic and self-reliance? Absolutely. It's not going to happen in the church. It's not going to happen with the, with the vote without president's proper politician because you and I both know Detroit, Chicago, D.C., none of them push it. In the economic arena, uh, there was a time when the black enterprise would probably put out the BE-100, okay? They stopped doing that, all right? They stopped doing it because we have lost so much ground economically. The Koreans are what? whooping our butts 
And they got something in Detroit, the, the hair for the women, uh, weeds or whatnot. They call it uh, crack because it's right. so hot. You can make well, so what, is the solution? what is the solution based on you saying that? Yeah, well, that's well, yeah what is his suggestion? People don't want it. Okay, what you got, this is what you got to do. We don't listen. You have got to keep your money in your pocket. You've got to boycott non-black businesses. You cannot give them your your money. The air, the gas station. You got if you buy to black, then you keep it in your pocket. <laughs> he he, right back on my line now. I can I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, sir. If you buy black, you'll keep it in your pocket. Right. Okay. So then. Oh, no, 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 no. I, you're not, you're not, you're not, sir, I just said in Detroit we had at one time when I was growing up, 1.5 million people, now over 900,000 blacks. We didn't have one black. We had one black-owned grocery store. The Calgary, yeah, I got one. The I, 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 I got through it. Well, they, they they took it out. So so what I'm saying to you is, we if, if Farmer Jack didn't set up a store, if A.M.P. didn't set up a store, if COVID didn't set up a store, then we starved. Okay. If if, if you really want to have what we talk about, serious black economic freedom, serious economic freedom, if it's not black. If it's not only, sir, it's got to be more than black. Being going to a black-owned place ain't it. It's got to be a part of a network of black businesses that are doing something to build to establish a juggernaut within the community. If it ain't that, then damn it, drive around in a forty-year-old car. Okay, buy the basic bare necessities. Don't shop fast food. Don't shop for hair. Don't shop uh, 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 hair care products. Don't shop uh, for gas. Minimum. Minimize everything. Put everything back into yourself. Okay? And then you start. I know, man. Thing. That, that equals the same thing I'm saying, not... Bob Black. In Detroit. I know you said, but what I'm saying about buying black is this. Where, where are you going to buy black? There are no more black cars. Oh, Detroit always, we always had a Cadillac dealership in Detroit, black owned. Yeah, yeah, well, and, 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 and those those things like that, you ha- some other things that you have to go the other way. You see me, but wherever you can. Now, like the the gentleman who got to the grocery store in Detroit, he had another. See, we got to have more loyalty to one another. He had another grocery store, but a white person built one near him, and then he had to close that one up. But we got to have more loyalty among ourselves. We got to do more than just go to church and sing and shout. Uh, we have okay, another caller coming on, uh, Sonia. Let me end by saying this, Ron. Let me just say this very quickly. Oh, man, uh, Bob, we really, have another caller on the line. Uh, Sonia? You listen to Black Wall Street USA. Caller, last four digits, 3175. You're on the air with Black Wall Street USA. What city are you calling from, and what's your name and comment? Uh, Chicago. Uh, that gentleman hey, is said, What's your name? Uh, Tony. Hi, Tony. You have a question or comment? Yeah, uh, that gentleman that said there's no car dealerships in Detroit. Well, I don't know about the city of Detroit, but I know uh, maybe Flint. I read in uh, Black Enterprise magazine a few months ago, there's a black dealership that's doing really well. So we do have businesses. We might not know about it, but we do have them. We need more, though. But uh, I want to ask you a question, Ryan. Uh, how is the black business district here in Chicago doing as far as generating income and creating jobs? And I'll hang up and listen. Well, 
right now, um, we definitely are not where we want to be, but Ellen. we are definitely on that right move because we on our we, way. We when we first started on Seventy Fifth Street, I got to give a really a lot of credit to the uh, United American Progress Association and the Temple of Mercy, where they have a march down our first black Wall Street district. Matter of fact, the UAPA used to have their their bad black march down 76th Street. And as we began to look at 75th Street, every year they have their uh, Marcus Garvey uh, parade down 75th Street. So we're going to do it again this year. So the promotion part is in place, but we have grown from that one black Wall Street district on 75th Street to now we have uh, 17 black Wall Street districts in Chicago. And the one that just came up was uh, 59th Street to 63rd Street on Halsted. Now, if you can imagine that particular street, is basically vacant land. Now, what does that mean as far as it being buying black when you haven't got nothing but black, uh, when you haven't got nothing but vacant land practically between 59th Street and 63rd Street on Halsted? What that means is that is if you can say in the uh, when you go west, you you, you you take a stake and you hammer it in the land and you say that this is mine. And you start developing that because this one particular strip on 59th Street, when they moved the Koreans off of 63rd Street to build Kennedy King uh, College, they moved those Koreans out and they told those Koreans that they can have 59th Street and was going to give that uh, land to 80 Korean stores uh, for a dollar. Now, the community just this week said it ain't happening. We want to claim that particular strip a Black Wall Street district. So in relationship to your question, how are these Black Wall Street districts doing, what we're doing is staking the future to build black businesses. So if the city of Chicago can say that they're going to give these vacant land to Koreans for a dollar, the community say, hold up, this is our community. We're claiming this as a black Wall Street district. So the black Wall Street district is nowhere where it would like to be, but it has covered so much ground to the point that the community is identifying that they want black businesses and preparing black businesses to come in their community, taking in full consideration the land grab throughout Chicago, taking in full consideration the redlining of financing, taking in full consideration the campaign of what Webb Evans is talking about 
have to be implemented. So we are, right. these black Wall Street districts are at different levels, but it's just based on covering the land. Right. Okay. Yes, sir. And I just want to ask you one quick question. How sure. the, what's the view of the alderman who represents that uh, 63rd or 59th Street uh, Enterprise District there? What's their opinion about Koreans moving in there, or, or as opposed to having it, uh, in, it homegrown with African-American businesses? What, what, what's their view? Well, we did when we moved on a black Wall Street district, we did not ask any elected official their view. We're not really, and I understand, I'm not trying to be cynical about your question, but each of our black Wall Street districts in Chicago, we did not ask permission from any elected official, is this what we want? We have had problems with the elected officials, such as our first district was 75th Street, and we had a problem that Alderman Lau did not want the United American Progress Association march down 75th Street. She did all she can to stop that parade, but we went forward with it, with it anyway. So, but there are aldermen such as Alderman Mitts on the west side. She said that she wants Chicago Avenue to be a black Wall Street district. Alderman um, uh, Latasha Thomas, when I ran for Alderman in the 17th Ward, when I uh, lost it, before I lost it uh, or supported her, I want two black Wall Street districts in her ward. She agreed to it. Uh, Alderman, uh, the newly elected Alderman um, uh, Sawyer, he has endorsed the Black Wall Street District. Uh, there are Aldermen that have not came aboard, but as this far, we have nine Aldermen. Out of 19 Black Aldermen, we have nine Aldermen that are now supporting the Black Wall Street. Maybe they're doing it because they don't have to answer to Mayor Daly no more, and they got a free will to be black. I don't know. But we definitely had a hard problem with them when Mayor Daly was mayor. But it seems now they are jumping on it. But initially, we didn't ask them. We went on and did it anyway. And it wasn't up to them. It was the will of the people and for the aldermen to follow suit. Uh, I, want to, I want to congratulate you, Ron, for what you're doing. As I'm as I'm going on over the hill, I'm certainly proud to see people like you coming up. Well, we're moving forward. Uh, I want to thank the uh, the callers, and we're getting ready to go into our final remarks, but we're getting real close to it. Uh, Webb Evans, you got a minute or so to give us a closing remark. Uh, number one, uh, the United American Progress Association. We'll be celebrating our 50th anniversary in a bid, Mr. G's, on the 16th of October. And we meet every fourth Monday at 1716 West on 79th Street. And we'd be happy to have the people come out and let's dialogue. There's a number of people who are meeting with the United American Progress Association are not changing and shopping black 
and uh, the fellow from Detroit speaking about boycotting, but if you stop boycotting black people, then that'll take care of it. If we just start spending mm-hmm. our money with blacks, and I know that's something, and he spoke about an automobile. I don't know about the, about the black person who got that automobile place over there, uh, uh, a dealership. But if we come to ourselves and start from, well, let me close it. Let me say it this way. If we go to, if we live together, we go to church on Sunday, let's go to a black-owned business, start with, with our money on Monday. And I'm asking everybody to be sure to ask your pastor, Concerning information on the economic side of the Bible because it has a world of How can uh, we get a copy of your book and what's the number we can reach you at? You can reach me at 773 268 1873. 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com slash cbbn. We'll be right back here next Thursday doing everything we can to sustain and increase black businesses across the country. Good night, everyone. Good night, all. <laughs> 